welcome back to the Championship Crowd Podcast. It's been another eventful week in the Championship. Even this morning, Darren Moore has been appointed as the new manager of Sheffield Wednesday, joining from Doncaster. We'll be talking to a Brentford fan during this podcast. But first of all, I'll come to you, Adam. How's your weekend been? Yeah, it's been busy. I uh, had a very busy week and Norwich have picked up two good results this week. Um, and a few other teams, as we know, have slipped up, which we'll come on to mention. So uh, I'm happy this week, mate, again. Yeah, you say a few people slipped up. We may have slipped up, but what a weekend I've had. Great win for Wales in the Six Nations against England. Loving that. Looking forward to March the 20th. Swansea versus Cardiff, 5.30. And then 8 o'clock. Wales going for the Grand Slam in the Six Nations. Going to be good. But anyways, we're joined by a Brentford fan today. Welcome on, Liam. Hello, how's it going, guys? It's going well, mate. Thanks very much for coming on today. My pleasure, my pleasure. It's been a decent week, isn't it? Yeah, good week for Brentford. Finally coming back into form. Yeah, not only just our game, we've also had um, a few results go away on the weekend as well, which will uh, should be great to talk about. Uh, we're going to move on to basically introduce you, Liam. Uh, so a few questions for you. So to begin with, uh, how long have you been supporting Brentford? Pretty much all my life. You know, everyone goes through that phase when you're about five or six and everyone wants to, wants to get the kit of the big players. But um, other than that, I've always supported Brentford. My dad supported Brentford, brother supported Brentford. So it's a no-brainer, really. And then in terms of, obviously, you've got a position with Bees TV. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Initially, Bees TV was started by Rajan, who's a massive Brentford fan. Um, not actually local to England. He's actually out um, in Dubai. And he asked me to get involved in running the Twitter side because he wasn't really too sure on how it went. And it just went from there, really. We've just been doing random ideas on the YouTube, just going with it, just supporting and just taking it to a new level with the YouTube and the Twitter. And it seems to have gone well so far. It's great to carry it on, really. Excellent. Uh, in terms of uh, Brentford, obviously, you've had quite an interesting for the last few mm-hmm. years. Uh, what's your sort of favourite memory of recent seasons? Ooh, if we're talking recent, oh, that's a tough... We're probably talking best memory would be when we when we done Swansea over. I know, I know you hurt Derek, mate, but yeah, it's when we done Swansea over in the uh, playoffs. That was great. That was, was, yeah, that's probably the best one of the recent memories. It was a good second leg for you guys, wasn't it? Absolutely. Ollie Watkins, Ollie Watkins, Shishin. That was just iconic for us. We won't mention what happened in the final. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep that one on the download. We'll just talk. We'll talk about the playoff semi like it was our final. I think that's probably the best shout for us. <laughs> well, so you just mentioned last season. Obviously, you came so close to promotion. How did it feel like that being your last season at Griffin Park? It's just such a iconic stadium, and the fact that it's just so classic England. Like all the new stadiums and massive concrete, everything's the same all the way around. Just massive soccer domes, and Griffin Park was just a a shoddy brick place with pillars so you can't see from off the seats and everything was rickety and falling apart and it was it was awful but it was great at the same time it's just the the part that's going to miss but obviously going into a new stadium as a club trying to grow you have to grow in all ways and you can't grow with your old stadium so it's a it's a necessary evil unfortunately and then this season obviously you're going well at the moment what do you sort of say your success has been built around this season I think at the start it was it was very it was it was like we were just missing Watkins and Ben Rama at the front and we had no one really leading us in the goal scoring front. And luckily Tony came into fruition quite quickly. Obviously it took him three or four games to get into it, but it was really lucky that Tony managed to basically just crack on as soon as he joined in the championship. So we really needed that. And um we managed to 
draw the games where rather than last season we lost a lot of games at the start we managed to draw them games and make sure no one else gained too much of a lead on us which kept us in like competition with them so that's really helped us this season to uh, do better than last season it doesn't feel like it but we are and you talk about Ivan Tony and his uh, 25 goals a season obviously scored one on the weekend um, so we're going to go on to re- review your Stoke um, how do you feel this mm-hmm. I think as much as it was a great comeback, we really shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. If we're talking Brentford are a serious Premier League wannabe club, we shouldn't have to go down early at Stoke and have Stoke come to us and out-battle us at our own stadium. Realistically, if we're serious about getting promoted we shouldn't have to we shouldn't have to have a comeback we should just dominate the entire game like Norwich do that seemed to be a factor in quite a lot of your games this season so before that mm. you, you just seem to keep conceding first but then you're finding a way to come back so obviously on the weekend 1-0 in the first minute or so and then you managed to win 2-1 but mm-hmm. it's good it's a good thing that you're coming back do you, do you know a reason why or just just because you're a better team and you eventually win the game well specifically with the Stoke game I think looking at the way Stoke laid out Stoke scored their early goal because they were just playing it at such a high tempo um, and then the only way it looked like we could come back in that game was through individual brilliance and it was just it was just by so someone had to step up and score that goal and it was just great that it was our it was Jano who's done absolutely amazing with Norgard out he's stepped into the role perfectly I think we've got him from second division of German football for half a million quid and he's done absolutely amazing in midfield so we can't have any complaints there on the terms conceding, I actually saw a stat that Jacob Brown's goal for Stoke on the weekend was Stoke's 1,000th goal away from home in the championship and also the 1,000th goal that Brentford have conceded in the second division. Good stats there, Adam. But it was a good weekend for you as well, Adam, mate. Um, on the weekend, on Sunday, you responded well to Brentford's win with a 2-0 win away to Wickham. Yeah, so obviously that's not just fifth straight win. Pookie and his sort of run of form of, I think that's now seven goals in the last five. I don't know if you saw it on Sky, but he is the top championship goal scorer since he joined Norwich in 2018 and he spent one season in the Premier League. So he's got 47 goals in that time over two seasons so far. So, you know, he's he just knows where the back of the net is. And I think you look at Norwich last, well, last game, I think, you know, Wickham came out, they gave it a go as they were going to always do. Like, I think Gareth Ainsworth still believes that they'll stay up this season. I think it's probably a little bit far-fetched, but fair play to them. Um, Norwich had 70% of the possession uh, in both games against Wickham this season. And I think that probably is a bit of a telling tale. Um, even though there wasn't many chances, Norwich were clinical, Pookie took his chance. And then obviously Adam Eder got on the score sheet later on to seal the victory. Yeah, so it's looking good for Norwich, isn't it? Now, 70 points at the moment, 10 points clear of Watford, who failed to win against Bournemouth on the weekend. Liam, did you see that game? Uh, I managed to catch the end of it, which was the part that everyone wanted to catch, really. I managed to catch the last probably 15 minutes. Um, I've had a flick through the highlights. There's no doubt that the foul that caused the free kick that Bournemouth scored from shouldn't have been a free kick for Bournemouth. It should have been a free kick for Watford. So they're unfortunate to lose there. Um, but you can't argue it's a great finish. And then, obviously, there's everything that happened at the end, which, granted, it shouldn't have happened, but you can't expect you can't expect um, the teams not to start getting tense and start rowing when it's such a tense game at the you know, bottom of the playoffs in the Championship and everyone wants that playoffs box. It's the most important game in football, so... Yeah, you t- you talk about that tense game because it's interesting one because Watford Bournemouth that's not that's not that's not a derby that's nothing. 
there, but you can see how much it means to them at the moment. Both sets of teams, Watford fighting for that automatic spot, Bournemouth um, looking to get into the playoffs, really. And you can see the passion there. It was incredible. Yeah, I think obviously you look at that game and obviously it did mean a lot to both teams for their different sort of targets this season. Obviously both want promotion, but Bournemouth probably more likely now through the playoffs, they're a little bit too far away. But obviously Watford are still going for those automatics and it's another notable point of the fact this is another away game that Watford have lost. Watford are ninth in the away form table. They've only picked up uh, 22 points so far this season away from home in 17 games, which that's only just over one average of what one point per game, which is actually more lower form table than at the top. Obviously, the home form is, but um, you look at that and you think to yourself, that's probably another notable point in why I don't think Watford will get automatic promotion this season. Yeah, they continue to struggle away from home, don't they? They did get a result in the week 3-2 in the end, but with Watford losing on the weekend, it meant gave Swansea a chance to go above them and we failed to take it. We're winning 1-0 and then lost 3-1 against Bristol City. The Nigel Pearson impact though so since being appointed as manager on monday he sat in the stands on the week um, on wednesday to watch their team win and now they've won against swansea again one appointment adam yeah no it's a great appointment obviously bristol city we've spoke about them now for the last what three four podcasts and their form obviously hasn't been good i think they lost was it five on the bounce at one point they just looked like they were going towards the bottom half of the table and potentially going down to as far as the uh, relegation zone but Obviously, they've managed to turn that round and appointed Nigel Pearson, who, you know, we spoke about it last week. His record at Leicester and Watford has generally been pretty good. So I thought it was a good appointment at the time. Did I expect them to get six points this week from a tricky trip to Middlesbrough and a tricky trip to Swansea? Probably not. I think the most notable thing, I don't know what you thought of this, Chris, but obviously you actually dominated that game. Uh, 74% possession in the first half and 70% possession overall, having 21 shots, but failed to win. So what went wrong? Yeah, I'm trying to just keep positive from the weekend just because we beat England in the Six Nations and not think about the Swansea defeat. But it was it was poor. We created so many chances. Should have been winning by a lot. We eventually got our goal for a penalty, which was in the end a bit harsh um, on Bristol City, but we deserved it. And we're just com- all comfortable throughout the whole game. Hohan loses possession and they go and score. Gohi kind of also lost position in it as well. So they levelled it up and then scored from a, from a corner uh, for Palmer. He was beaten on loan at the first half of the season at Swansea. And it's just disappointing because we've been so good at that this season. We've not lost from a winning position at all. And it was just a shock, really. A massive shock. But I guess that's what Pearson does. He gets these results. And it could be a very good appointment. Liam, would you think Bristol City could have a possible chance. And now seven points off Bournemouth and sit. Could they, under Nigel Pearson, get into the playoff? Well, I think it's definitely a possibility. If not this, if it's not this season, I think next season I'll have a definite say, um, especially maybe in the autos. But um, thinking about the game, you say the penalty was harsh. Would you think maybe that individual challenge was harsh, but the other two handballs that should have been, sorry, the, one of the handballs and one of the drags, should have been a penalty instead of that one, that one in the fifty-fifth minute. Yeah, exactly. I think I, th- I think that's I think that's what happens. Really, like the refs eventually was going to give it, and we've been quite unlucky this season. We just seem to always mm. get a bad refs. But it, it was it was an interesting one. I think it was a handball. Um, I was surprised that we got it, just because of the fact mm. that we never seem to get decisions this season. Yeah, from your point of view, it must be quite disappointing to see your team has so much pressure but not capitalise on it at all by not scoring any goals. Yeah, I think, yeah, def- definitely this weekend. Like, 
previously mm. we've not been creating enough chances to be scoring goals. But this weekend we we played really well, created so many chances, especially in the first half. Should have been at least a few goals up. And yeah, it, definitely. It's disappointing. It's it's disappointing. But I'm pleased in a way because recently we haven't been performing well and we get a result. Saturday we performed well, we didn't get a result. So I'm pleased that we are creating those chances. We've now got to capitalise. Obviously, we've still got those games in hand, uh, two games in hand on Watford and Brentford. Win those both, obviously, whenever you see games in hand, you always think, yeah, they're definite wins, but they're not really. But it will be interesting to see come the end of the season. We need to bond well in the week, and we'll talk about that game as well. But going back to the playoff discussion, we saw a big game, Middlesbrough versus Cardiff on the weekend. It ended 1-1. Adam, what was your thoughts on that game? Yeah, so obviously Mick McCarthy, you know, exit switch manager, he came into Cardiff and I'll be honest with you again, I think Charlie spoke about it the other week on here. I didn't think that was a very good appointment. Mick McCarthy, he's very defensively drilled. Um, Cardiff, okay, you could look at their team and think that's probably a perfect match and it probably has become a perfect match. You know, his form recently with Cardiff has been superb. You know, they've picked up wins and draws and I don't think they've been defeated now in about eight games. Look at that at the weekend, you know, that was another big opportunity to pick up three points. They actually led that game. QPR with Paddy McNair got the equaliser. Probably a big point for both because you'd rather not lose that game. And then you look at, obviously, the Bournemouth result. Okay, they picked up a win, but they've got some tough games coming up. So they potentially might slip out. And I think if Cardiff can keep that run going until the end of the season, then I think they've got a pretty good shot of being in the top six. Yeah, so Cardiff are two points off Bournemouth, with Middlesbrough five points off Bournemouth. But another team that could be up there in the playoffs is Barnsley. They've come out of nowhere, really, winning their last five games, unbeaten in seven, and they're only one point now off Bournemouth. Liam, could Barnsley be one of those surprise packages for a playoff position this season? Oh, absolutely. The playoffs is looking like it's going to go right down to the wire this year. I mean, it's going to be great to watch it happen, especially with the top, the second place spot looking like it's up for grabs as well. It's just going to be such a great year. Um, when Barnsley, I think Barnsley started their winning run on, on the Brentford win, they it done us over, which I was really impressed with. Uh, if they don't get promoted or they don't um, at least get playoffs and Brentford get promoted, I'd like to see Callum Styles join Brentford from Barnsley. I think he's a real asset to them. I think we'd be able to take him, which would be quite nice if we can do that. But um, Barnsley still have games against Bournemouth and Reading to go yet. So they could take points off them and snatch playoff place off that be quite nice for them yeah you look at that are they hard games or are they the games you want to be playing because you want to be beating those teams mm. and you mentioned there Reading they did get a win against Rotherham 1-0 on the weekend but they had going into that lost their previous two games it was a good response against a lower league team yeah obviously Reading I actually saw a stat they actually made the most tackles in game week 33 against Rotherham which probably says more about Reading at the moment I think They've obviously had a bit of a slump since Sam came on this podcast uh, three weeks ago and he spoke about Reading and we were speaking ahead of that Brentford game actually against Reading. Reading at that point were looking like a serious contender for top two and at the moment, you know, before this game on Saturday, they looked at risk of slipping out of the top six with Cardiff and Middlesbrough and Stoke and a few other teams all picking up results previously. But I think more notably, obviously, Rotherham, okay, they have the two games in hand, but their form of the last four or five games, I think, have been straight defeats. So this was a big opportunity for Reading and ultimately they took it, despite it being a bit of a stroke of luck in terms of the goal. And they had a few other good chances, but Rotherham will probably be ruining another opportunity to get a win at home and try and drag themselves away from the bottom three there. You mentioned there the stroke of luck. 
do you think Reading got enough in them to keep that player position at the moment? I think it's going to be a bit of a task for them in terms of obviously look at those sides below that we've spoken about. Cardiff are just flying at the moment. Barnsley are flying at the moment. I think Stoke, despite obviously that defeat at the weekend, they actually played okay against Brentford and they played okay in most of the games recently other than the defeat at Norwich. So you have to look at that and you say Reading, they need to they need to probably put another run together of three, four straight wins just to try and solidify that position in the top six. I think if they have another one or two defeats coming up, they're really at risk of dropping out. And I don't know, I just don't think they've got enough in the tank. I think they've got a few star players, Lucas Yao, Elise, but my concern would be those players haven't got a history of trying to keep in a top six position. They haven't dealt with that pressure before. And I think we're seeing that now. Obviously, they wouldn't be in that position if it wasn't for those first seven games of the season where they won, was it seven straight games? So I think if it wasn't for that, they wouldn't be where they are now. So I think they will drop out personally. But Yeah, they had an incredible start to the season, but now only got a three points buffer on uh, Barnsley in seventh position. But going on to Rotherham, it's not looking good for them at the moment. They're 22nd in the league, so third relegation spot on 29 points. They needed a win. They didn't get a win. Could they be going down, Liam? Yeah, they're, they're having the issue of they just can't put the ball in the back of their net because they're not really getting smashed every week. But they're just they're just not scoring the goals. So they're, they're, they're not just getting dominated by the teams above them. They're, they're taking a game to them, just not finishing it. They've only scored, what, one goal in the last five or six games? So it's a really it's a real struggle for them at the moment, but they seem to be destined to be the team that just goes up and down between the two leagues. And it'd be nice to see them change it, but they really need to just finish fourth bottom and then work on it the next year and just do basically do what Villa did in the Prem, finish fourth bottom and then have faith in what they've got and build a sort of a solid squad. In that one goal has been the last four results they've lost one uh, 0 and so that's five defeats in a row. And it is kind of the curse of the podcast. We're praising them up in our first podcast, if I remember rightly for managing to get a run together, creating a good form. But they are looking bad at the moment and they're not scoring and they've got to score if they want to stay up. I think the way you can link that is the fact that obviously their form has been sort of so bad over the last five or six games. And the issue is Birmingham have won two of their last three. Um, obviously got a win on the weekend against you know, a pretty good QPR side recently. QPR have had some big wins, obviously, Beat, uh, I think, was it four of the top six I mentioned last week? They beat Watford and Brentford and Bournemouth and uh, someone else as well at the top six, Reading. Uh, they've beaten them all. And uh, I think you look at that and you say to yourself, if Birmingham were going to start putting some results on the board, you know, that's probably not going to help Rotherham because, all right, they have those couple of games in hand, but they don't mean anything if the teams above them are keep winning because when Rotherham aren't getting the results, those games in hand ultimately mean nothing. So, what do you think of that Birmingham result of the weekend? Do you think Birmingham are going to go down? I think it's a great, it was a great result to come back against QPR. As you mentioned it, QPR like one of the form teams in the league at the moment and this year. But Birmingham managed to come back 2-1 victory. But it's still going to be tight because Rotherham do have those two games in hand on them. They're sitting on 34 points and I haven't really been blown away from them. It'll be interesting to see how um, the good comeback does maybe propel them into a good run of form. It'll be, it'll be very interesting to see that. But another one down the bottom, Sheffield Wednesday, 2-0 up at halftime. Lost 3-2. How did that happen, Liam? Well, the sign of a good manager really is being able to change. Like you, Everyone can win a game if they're given the right tools, but being able to change a game when you're that drastically losing 
go half time, switch it completely on its head for the second half is, I'd say, the, the key sign of being a good manager. And they've done that absolutely perfectly. It's just they've gone in at half time. I don't know what's been said. I think they've gone for a more structured midfield with a diamond. And it's worked wonders, and they've just absolutely blown out of the park in the seven, second half. It's just, it really shows desire to win the game. I mean, anyone can win a game with hard work. Like, skill, you can have skill, but if you're not going to work hard, the skill means nothing. And Luton's come out in the second half and worked hard to take it back. So it's the same as Birmingham, really. They worked hard to take it back, and that's the thing that will save them, really. Yeah, what a comeback. What a team talk there for Nathan Jones at half time to respond. Uh, Luton, they look like the middle mid table team, don't they? Nothing's gonna really happen towards the end of the season. No, I think Luton are pretty solidified in that sort of mid table bracket. They'll be safe for next season. And you know, after last season when they had that dramatic escape uh second half of the season, I'll be very happy this season just to have pretty much pretty much secured safety already at this point of the season. And I think next season they can try and build. They've got a lot, a lot of good young players there um, who have obviously got some championship, championship experience the last couple of seasons. And, you know, they'll be hoping to try and go higher again next season. I think Nathan Jones obviously has a very good relationship at Luton. And I think the one thing Luton probably misses the fans. You know, they're another one of these clubs at the bottom or bottom half of the table where they rely on the fan. They are ultimately the underdog probably in most games. And the fans are what get them up the line, get them results and... Next season, they'll be hopeful of a, a better season than what they've had this season. So, Yeah, you would think the fans will play a big in, impact in them. But it was towards the last season when the fans weren't there. They managed to survive um, out of nowhere. But as you said, that is probably Nathan Jones coming back in as manager being a, a big impact. And we talk about managers there. We mentioned at the start of the podcast, so Darren Moore has been appointed Sheffield Wednesday's new manager. Coming from Doncaster, so the League One team, sitting in sixth position. What do you think of that, about that appointment? Honestly, Darren Moore obviously has got Premier League experience on his CV with West Brom. Didn't do very well with West Brom in the Championship, hence the change they made. I think, obviously, doing well at Doncaster, they've had a bit of a slip recently. Obviously, they sold Ben Whiteman to Preston, and I think that's coincided with a little bit of a drop in form for Doncaster. Obviously, Darren Moore's seen Sheffield Wednesday, and let's face it, Sheffield Wednesday are a bigger club than Doncaster, and obviously, that's a big opportunity. My concern for Darren Moore would be, I've seen some tweets actually put out and about this morning, that ownership at Sheffield Wednesday, Chanziri is not a good place to be going. Um, And I think, obviously, Doncaster, the position they were in, they obviously had potentially... Well, could have potentially got promoted this season. And I think, obviously, you add that now. He's going to a team that are not from relegation, but unless they start picking up some results and you know dropping dropping a two-goal lead to lose at Luton is not a good way to start that. Um, I think they're probably going to get relegated, so he'll end up back in League One next season. Only hope is that he's a bigger club and potentially could turn them around next season and try and build from there. Yeah, so Sheffield Wednesday on 28 points and 23rd position with only one game in hand. So it's not looking good for them. So as you mentioned, it'll be interesting to see if Doncaster can manage to get, get out through the playoffs. And it could be Sheffield Wednesday going back down to League One. That might be the reason for the appointment. They might think he's got League One experience. If they do go down, they've got that factor. But as you say, their ownership has uh, let them down in the last few years, 100%. There's two, uh, a few other results on the weekend. So Preston won 3-0 against Huddersfield. And Blackburn drew 1-1 against Coventry. Last week, we were previewing the East Midlands derby. And that game happened on Friday, Adam. 1-1 between Derby and Nottingham Forest. So on this podcast last week, I made the prediction of 0-0 when I said draw. 
I mean, it wasn't a million miles off. Obviously, both teams managed to get the get the goal and make it 1-1. That means that both games finished 1-1 this season, so neither side has the bragging rights this season. It's obviously finished level pegging. I think, obviously, for both sides, because they picked up that win during the week, Friday was kind of kind of a free hit. Obviously, they were still trying to be playing for that pride of the East Midlands, but on the whole, it was just a let's try not lose this game and we're pretty much safe for this season and we go again next season in the Championship and... I fully expect both sides will have better seasons next year. I think they've both underachieved. Probably Forest more than Derby, actually. Both underachieved this season. They'll be hopeful next season in probably be another tough division. That they might be able to try and aim for those playoff places or promotion next season because they are probably both Premier League teams based on history. Yeah, you think with Rooney's form, Derby definitely have a chance next season to really mount themselves as a good team in the Championship, maybe even looking for promotion. But anyway, that wraps up our review of the weekend games. And now we're going to go on to a game. It's case for promotion. We're joined, obviously, by Brentford <laughs> fan, Liam. And what he's going to do, he's got 30 seconds to argue the best case why Brentford will get promoted this season. Adam, as a Norwich fan, will be judging how good he is. But Adam, you can't judge, judge on how much you think Norwich will get promoted and Brentford won't. Um, you have to judge by the way he argues his case. You can't say Brentford, Ivan Tony, or Thomas Frank, and you just have to argue why Brentford are going to get promoted. Liam, mate, do you think you can I'm ready? Do? You're ready. I, yeah? think got, I think I've got a good, a good basis. He's got a good basis. You're sitting second in the championship. Surely strong favourites are getting promoted. Liam, case for promotion starts now right so the bees right we've scored what's the premier league all about right it's all about goals okay we've scored 61 this season there's no doubt about the fact that if we go to the premier league they want to see goals we can provide goals obviously we've got a top scorer in a championship naming their names so i think if he goes to the premier league he's scoring he's probably going to score about 35 odd goals in the championship this year if he goes to the premier league he's most likely to score probably about 15 20 so we've got a good shout at that and then we're solidified at the back. We've got a young, a young left centre back. Ah. Time's up. Quick thirty seconds. It's much quicker when you're under pressure. Very good stuff indeed. Adam talked about the goals. Ready for the Premier League? What are you giving him? Obviously, we've had some good, good arguments over the last few weeks. Um, to obviously put this one into context, I think is another really strong argument. I'm going to go with seven point five out of ten. Seven point five out of ten. Very good score, Liam. I think I'll take that. I'll take that. I might a, be a bit generous. I started stumbling at the start. I had to get my points straight. Yeah, no, no worries. It's the pressure of it that um, definitely has it. I think puts you above Reading fans, Sam, but you won't be pleased to hear that you're below QPR rival Charlie in the league. I mean, as, term, as terms as um, QPR and Reading, it's quite argue the fact. It's quite hard to argue the fact that they're going to get promoted. With Brentford, it just does it for you, doesn't it? Yeah. You just, you just got to say the bees, and then all of a sudden you think promotion. So, you know, it does its job for me, really. Exactly. We talk about promotion, but you've got a massive game um, on Wednesday night that you have to win. 5.30 kickoff, away to Norwich. Oh, I'm 100% would take a draw there 100 percent. i think well we're missing we're missing i'd say it's weird because we we have um rico henry at left back and he's really key to our squad despite only being at left back because he really makes the entire left channel an attacking opportunity there and um i don't really fancy sergio canos to be able to do it on his own on the left side there especially against the best team in the league so 
I really would take take a draw going away from there, and I wouldn't be surprised if we lost. But uh, obviously, I'm not going to go into it expecting a loss because we're we. It's going to be rare for us to go into a game as the underdogs this season. But last season, we were the underdogs for promotion, and up until the point where we expected to get it, we didn't get it. So we kind of thrive as underdogs. So I think it'll be interesting to see it anyway. Um, I imagine it'll be a high-scoring game, especially with how we've been at the back recently, scoring, uh, conceding early. Uh, I'm, I'm probably saying 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. So that's another draw. Early on in the season, we did see a draw between uh, you guys in the 1-1 draw. Yep. What was your thoughts on that first game? It was, it was fortunate that we didn't let them get the extra two points on us. If, if we had, then they would have slipped away from us. So that's, that goes back to where at the start of the season, we were lucky that all of our failed games where our team was gelling, they weren't losses because then they would have run away with it. They would have run away with the three points. So as much as it's a draw, it's still a very fortunate game for us, that one. But you will take a draw. I, I think surely you want to be going for a win. Do you not want to expand that? lead on Watford and Swansea it'd be absolutely amazing to win I just think it's I'm being cynical here as a lot of Brentford fans are but it's just I think it's just really unrealistic to go away to Norwich and win especially considering we've been on quite a shaky run yeah we've got a win against Stoke but we really had to fight for that one so it's it might be unrealistic it'd be great to have it but uh, if, if, if I had a draw I wouldn't be disappointed yeah and I'd I think, be ecstatic with a win though 100% I, th- I think you're um joined with your predictions with most of the Twitter audience probably favouring the Norwich aren't they Adam? Yeah so as we sit here we put out a poll this morning um, and so far we've had a number of votes and 67% of you think Norwich are going to win 20% of you think it's going to be a draw and 13% of you think Brentford are going to win so I'd say they probably do favour Liam's argument there and from a personal standpoint, I think Brentford at home is going to be a difficult game. I think the one thing you could look at is Norwich's home form this season uh, only one defeat, and that came against Derby in the 90th minute with a Wayne Rooney free kick. I actually took with Liam on this. I would actually take a point on Wednesday night. I think one thing it would keep is Norwich's seven-point gap to Brentford. It would also keep the gap at least to eight points against Watford, depending on their result, obviously. And with Swansea's sort of few slip-ups recently, you know, it would obviously continue that that gap between us and Swansea as well. So. I wouldn't be against a draw. Uh, I'm hopeful of Norwich getting a victory. I think you look at our form, five straight wins. Uh, we've scored at least two goals in four of the last five, which therefore favours Liam, Liam's argument about the goals factor. I think Norwich are scoring goals at the moment. Only thing is we're not conceding many, but we're coming up against the best attacking team in the league in terms of goals. So I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, an exciting game, and I'm quite looking forward to this one. Who do you see as the standout players then for both your sides? In terms of Brentford, I think naturally it will be Ivan Tony. It just seems to happen. Uh, I feel like if we don't play Jensen, we're in big trouble. I think uh, he's really required to be able to try and win the midfield battles. Not um, the physical battles, but to be able to outplay their midfield. Uh, Godos just doesn't seem to have it as much as Jensen does which is a shame. If Norgard comes back, that's going to be a game changer for us. I think without Norgard, if Norgard plays like he did before he was injured, without Norgard, we won't be able to play the, we won't be able to have a shot at winning at least. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Frank goes with at left back. Obviously we've got Rico Henry injured. So it'll be interesting to see if he goes with a centre back or he goes with a right back playing on the opposite side. So yeah, you talked about his injury. So how long is Rico Henry out for? I believe we're looking at two months, which is a shame because he really is, I'd say, probably the best left back 
in the championship. We saw last year, obviously, all the commotion about him oh, going to be yeah, yeah. potentially out because of suspension of the second leg of the um, playoffs. And it just showed how much Rico Henry yeah. really meant to Brentford, just how emotional everyone was getting in terms of that red card. Adam, your key players for the game? Well, I think, obviously, we've spoken about Brentford's attacking line, so you've got to look at the two centre-halves and the goalkeeper. Norwich, I think, are the second or third best defensive side in the division. And the importance of that has come through Grant Hanley and Ben Gibson. Uh, that partnership at the back has been phenomenal this season. It's a position that Norwich have really struggled with in recent years. That centre-half position, we've leaked way too many goals. Even the last promotion, we conceded, I think, mid-table in terms of like the goals conceded. We conceded way too many. And this season, we've really solidified that. Obviously, got Tim Krull in the net, who I think his record in terms of his past, you know, he's played at World Cups. He is one of the best goalkeepers, if not the best goalkeeper in the championship. And then I think the main two up front, uh, Buendia and Puki, their relationship is like none other. They find each other. They know each other's game. Buendia obviously combined with Puki for the goal yesterday. And I can't remember what the stat is, but it's something like 15 or 16 goals a season they've combined between each other. And I think their combination and Puki's form is probably going to be pivotal in, pivotal in this game uh, as to whether Norwich managed to get a win or at least get a point. And... I expect a difficult game, and I think those are the key players. Yeah, Bendy and Puki have been influential with you. You mentioned Crawl as well, but didn't uh, perform well against Swansea uh, with that first goal conceded when you lost in that big game. We heard Liam say 2-2. What's your prediction, that prediction, Adam? I think it's going to be a really good game to watch. Like I think even if you're a neutral, you should get on this game and watch it because it's going to be an interesting one. And obviously, it's, it's two sides going at the top. Um, the only thing I'd say is the pressure is slightly off Norwich. Um, in the sense that we've got that seven-point gap to Brentford already. We've got that 10-point gap to Watford. We've got is it 11 points to Swansea. Obviously, they do have a couple of games in hand, but it's obviously the gap. You'd rather have the points gap. Um, I think that's probably going to play into this. Norwich don't have to as much go for this game. They probably could settle for a draw. But I think in the form we're in and our home form, I'm just going to pip us to nick it 2-1. But I think it's going to be an interesting game, going to be a tight one. Yeah, I, I think that argument about the draw, that I think definitely for you guys, a draw is fine. And even here in Liam, I was interested to hear that, that he actually would take a draw here. Even at Brentford, probably you would think towards the end of the season, all these Brentford, Watford and Swansea got to keep winning if they mm. want that uh, second spot. But it's interesting. So I, I think I might go for a draw as well. Both of you just hearing the fact that you both would take a draw, it looks like it's going to be set for that. But then you could look at it that both of these teams are very good going up at the top that will it be split uh, will it be a draw or surely one team's just going to edge it with their attacking ability I think I think I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw as well Liam I will I, I will think if that. anyone's going to edge it it'll have to be Norwich on the basis that our left uh, our left side is just quite weakened at the moment I, again I sound like I love him but Rico Henry missing a winger can really torment Sorensen if he's playing left back so if anyone's going to edge it it'll be it'll be Norwich but I hate to say it but it's being realistic I think the only notable thing in this game is that Todd Cantwell was missing yesterday and it looks like he might be missing midweek again and he is the man who tends to play on that side and he's been in very good form the last month so I think if he's missing again that might obviously make that argument of Rico Henry slightly less important the only thing is Norwich have got Onel Hernandez coming in on that position and 
his pace and exciting sort of wing play is one of the best in terms of he's so quick. It's uh, worrying about Norwich coming up against Brentford because our only left-footed option realistically is Sorensen. So we can play a right-footed, a right-footed, uh, sorry, a right-back playing in left-back, but obviously he's going to be wrong-footed and not natural and he won't be first-team. Or we could go for the centre-back option, which would I don't think he can, he can deal with the pace and the trickery of it. Uh, Sorensen just isn't naturally out there. So it is... It is a worrying one for us. Yeah, I think the Cantwell could be a blessing in disguise because I think Hernandez would really be able to target that weakness from his pace, as you mentioned there, Adam. So um, that'll be interesting to see. But there are many other good games happening midweek. Another notable one, Bristol City, we mentioned earlier, under Nigel Pearson. They'll be looking to really go for that push of the late, late push to the playoffs. If they want to get there, they need to beat Bournemouth, don't they? Well, yeah, because I think you look at that, obviously Bristol City, they can beat Bournemouth. They narrow that gap down to Bournemouth to four points, which with 12 games to go, there's every possibility you can narrow four points with Bournemouth. You know, all right, they picked up the win at the weekend, but before that, their form had been a bit ropey, you know, a few wins, a few draws, a few defeats. Bristol City, you know, if they can get that win, their confidence, three straight wins, would be potentially looking at something like what Cardiff are doing um, in terms of they're just grinding out results. And once you start grinding out results in the championship, the momentum takes you. And I don't think Bristol City will be in the playoffs, but I do think if they can win this game, it gives them a chance. Lose this game, I think that's their season effectively over and they can start building ready for next season. The only interesting thing is that Nigel Pearson has only been given a uh, contract till the end of the season, which whether that's to do with finances or whether that's to do with they weren't sure of the appointment, I'm not too certain, but... I would imagine that he'll get the job and I think next season is where Bristol City will build. But for this game, obviously, it's a big game for both. Bournemouth need the win as well because those teams below them are just picking up form, you know, and with Barnsley and Cardiff hunting them down, that's pressure. And Bournemouth obviously have been used to pressure in recent years in terms of relegation battles in the Premier League, but not the pressure of trying to get a playoff place. So, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned the six-month contract. I re- uh, listening to his first press conference it seems to imply that it, he thinks it also makes financial sense in terms of they've obviously given these other managers um time and then it hasn't worked out and also just the fact that it's a quick appointment halfway through the season but he does feel like he will get the job but obviously he's going to have to get results to get the uh, longer contract but it'd be interesting to see obviously i'm going to be keeping a close eye at the 8 15 kickoff on wednesday swansea versus stoke really needs to get back to winning ways Liam, obviously you want Stoke to win that. You watched them the other day. Do you think they could have a chance of beating Swansea? Definitely. We were looking at Swansea against um, Bristol this weekend. It looked like they they were they really did have the potential to score goals. It was just no one was taking responsibility and putting it in the back of the net, which is weird considering I really rate Andre Ayew and I do expect him to put him in the net. But... Um, if Stoke or anything like Brent, they were against Brentford in the first half, they will lock Swansea out and they'll nick a goal. I think it's, I think I'd actually back Stoke to win that game. Yeah, no, I'm not. I don't don't like hearing that. But Stoke, Stoke do always seem to get results against Swansea. And that, that's that's my worry coming into this game. I think we've got to get Corey Smith back into midfield. Moran's been class, um, scoring goals. But I don't know if we drop him or not. It's it's going to be interesting to see um, who plays in midfield. I think we'll definitely need Smith back. Grimes has been. Pretty decent, and I wouldn't mind seeing Fulton, the dream, the dream middle three. Um, it'd be interesting to see if he drops Horahan or rests Horahan against Stoke. But I think that could work better if we do that. It's going to be a big one. I think we're going to win it though. 
2-0 Swansea I'm going for. I think I think I'm gonna favour Stoke in this one as well. Not not just for the Norwich argument, but just because I think the only concern that Swans have got is obviously you signed that Morris bloke, didn't you, uh, from the US? And am I right in saying he's injured till the end of the season? Yeah, yeah. So our four-one defeat against Huddersfield, that wasn't really the blow. It was mainly the blow of Jordan Morris being injured. So he's out for the whole season. That's a massive, massive loss to see. I think this is the crucial game. If we win, we're really up then in the promotion battle. Yeah, exactly. I think, obviously, for you guys, obviously, you've not had that striker all season, really. So it's probably not as much of a loss as it is for, say, Brentford losing Tony or Norwich losing Pookie because you've already climatised to not really having that target man as such. So I think you've just got to start picking up some wins again. Obviously, I would say this is probably your worst spell in the season, would you agree? Um, in terms of form, I think obviously the other day we played much better than we had been, but we had been on a not playing well, but still getting some results the last like three games before that. Obviously now two defeats in the last three games it is a bit bit worrying, but uh, like it's not it's not to the level of a Brentford and Norwich maybe slipped up for around three games. I think it's just one of those things in the championship. You're going to win some games, you're going to lose some games. So at the moment it's not worrying. So I'm, obviously if we lose or draw against Stoke, it's a bit more worrying. There's a big a big game on Tuesday night, though, before all those Wednesday games. It's down the bottom. So Huddersfield versus Birmingham. How do you see that game playing out? Difficult one. Obviously, Birmingham, I've spoke about their home form on this podcast a few times. Saturday was their third win at home all season in 17 games. They've only picked up 12 points at home. So it probably favours them going away from home. And Huddersfield, I think other than that result they got against you guys, they haven't won any other games, I don't think, in 2021 in the Championship. So... Overall, they're struggling and they've gone from sort of Huddersfield at one point were just outside the playoffs and then they've had a dramatic drop sort of since the turn of the year. And my concern would be if Huddersfield lose this game and Rotherham manage to pick up a win, I think if they manage to get a win, that's when things could get interesting for both these sides, obviously, depending on the result, because they're both at risk. I think Huddersfield need to turn the form quick and they need a few wins. Birmingham, the only thing is they have started to pick up wins. So for that reason, I would probably back Birmingham in this game. Uh, I think against Norwich, uh, was it Tuesday night we played them this week? They were very good, really impressive, and they were good again against QPR. So I would probably back Birmingham in this game. Yeah, and then you mentioned the Rotherham game. That's Wednesday, 7.45, away to Sheffield Wednesday. It's really, what team wins that is going to be the team that's fighting to stay up. And you think if you lose that game, then you could be going down with Wickham as well. On the weekend, not loads of standout games. Liam, for you. You're hosting Rotherham. Probably going to win that one. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a nail on the head. We should. I don't. I can't see any reason we wouldn't win that unless there's a genuine massive slip up or a, a real big injury to Tony. I can't see any reason we'd lose it. I mean, Rotherham are desperate for it, so they may they may come out and just out battle us. That's the only real possibility for them winning it. But I can't. Stoke can outbattle us because they are up the table and they work hard, whereas Rotherham don't have the quality to match the ability to outbattle us. So I think we'll just play through them while they work hard. But um, yeah, I can't see us losing that, unfortunately, for them. Yeah, you imagine you should win that as well. Yeah. So Liam, Brentford fans have listened to you uh, today. They want to keep in contact with you. How do they follow you, mate? Uh, so the best place to go is at Bees TV on Twitter. That's where uh, I manage the Bees TV brand on there. Or you can hit up um, Bees TV on YouTube where we do small po- podcasts like this, but a little bit smaller and all Brentford related. And we do match watch alongs. 
which have, which have uh, recently been introduced. So head over there and see us then. Exactly. Brentford fans, you heard him. Head over there to Bees TV on Twitter. Watch all those watch alongs and added podcasts as well. It's been great having you guys listening as usual to the Championship Crowd podcast. Remember, you can go over and watch us on WD Sports YouTube if you like, or head over to the usual podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you know it, Anchor, all of that jazz. Adam, mate, any last words? Uh, again, just thank you for listening. We've obviously had some really good engagement over the last few weeks and we you know, appreciate everyone's support on listening to the podcast and let us know, you know who you want on the podcast in the upcoming weeks. You know, We're working towards getting some more guests on for you, so let us know. But again, we just extend our thanks and follow us on, as Chris just said, Spotify, Google, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, at Champ Crowd Pod, and follow us on Twitter. Exactly, you heard him, at Champ Crowd Pod on Twitter. Enjoy your week.